0: Let me get situated here. Alrighty, how's everybody doing? Um, it is your boy. Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the podcast that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation movement. Um, you know something that I've been. Experiencing a lot of lately has been, you know, there's a lot of us folks who have it in our mind that we want to help people, right? Um, we call ourselves communists, we call ourselves socialists, we call ourselves anarchists, we call ourselves a lot of things, right? And and ultimately, I feel like a lot of our interactions online. Um, kind of encircle around this idea of you know anarchists versus communists Um, and in a lot of ways even if that may not be true um, social media and online you know leftist culture is you know as a lot of us know it's it's a pretty toxic place to be and unfortunately for what it could be considering the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic still and most of us can't really go out and properly organize in person as we might like um, a lot of organizations are having trouble with onboarding because they're going to they've been needing to do it you know in different forms than they normally would be able to and just you know in general everything has become much more complicated in the last year than it might have been otherwise right And so it's unfortunate to see how much of that online leftist culture has really become so cancerous, so toxic, that, you know, genuine comrades, genuine people who are taking the time to want to build with folks online, taking the time to try to figure out how we can set up mutual aid funds, how we can set up organizations looking to you know partner in solidarity work with other organizations and and spread information spread propaganda spread you know consciousness and stuff like that it's unfortunate that this toxicity is so uh, so incredibly you know controlling to the point that these folks who have it in their heart that they want to do this um, can't stomach it enough to even be in these spheres and so i wanted to start off this episode with a genuine call to anyone who's listening that in whatever you know facet you can we need to start trying to combat this gross toxicity i know it's become kind of like a meme at this point that like online leftist spheres are just bullshit ridiculous places to be um but they shouldn't be and in america and and, you know in future that is now with all the technology that exists these spheres could prove genuinely um, useful they could prove to be genuine organizing tools Um, but when we see them succumb to these you know infighting um, you know it's not going to it's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And unfortunately, because of that, there's so many opportunities lost. And you just can't deny that, right? Because these spheres for any other purpose could be genuine reaching out tools. They could be educational tools. They could be connection tools. But instead, we spend all our time on Facebook, on Twitter, in Discord, wherever, just fucking arguing, man, and it's like really stupid and uh, utterly childish and uh there's no excuse for it. Because if you can't even have a civil discussion on Facebook with someone that you might not necessarily agree with, how the fuck do you think you're going to go into a community and try to help people who may or may not feel that your help is of any use to them? You have to understand, especially folks who truly are saying they want to help people. If you can't have a conversation with someone who is an anarchist, you're a communist, how the fuck are you going to go into a reactionary rural area and convince the masses that you're there to help them? These are simple stepping stools, or, or, or stepping stones, stepping stools, stepping stones that we should be using as, uh, you know, training um, and, and Honestly, building solidarity and connections through social media could be proving to be one of the most useful tools uh, during this time where we can't necessarily organize in person as we might want to. Um, But if you're going to spend your whole time on social media just arguing with people, um, first and foremost, you're not helping anyone, including yourself. Um, Second of all, you look like a child. And third of all, um, it's not helping anyone, uh, which I'm pretty sure was my first of all, but let's hammer it down for a second time, because, I mean, I, again, I might catch some flack for this, but whatever, who gives a fuck, like, if you think the most important thing for leftists to be doing is arguing on Facebook, then, like, shut the fuck up, genuinely, just shut the fuck up, but I just wanted to put out this call to... Anyone who cares that, like, if you see that stuff going on, like, try your best to, like, get in there and be like, yo, what the fuck are we doing right now? Because, like, dude, being someone who is, you know, slowly but surely radicalizing and wanting to get more and more involved in organizing, to see time and time again these people who say that they're trying to do the same thing I'm doing uh, fall to these things. It's utterly discouraging. And I genuinely know for a fact that there are a lot of good fucking comrades out there that are hurting right now, that are very discouraged, that are wanting to quit because of this type of interaction. Um, And it just, it needs to stop. It genuinely needs to stop. Um, So if you're in a place where that's something you can try to combat, I just wanted to say, please do that. You know, just a general call of like, that's, we can you know our intention shouldn't be hop in there and just start fanning the flame but hop in there and be like guys come on now we're all comrades we're all trying to work towards the same thing we're all trying to help folks we like you know trick the best we can do is try to build with one another so like however that that looks in the moment um do your best Uh, i'm gonna be trying to do the same um and just you know as best you can don't let that stuff get to you because like That's not true leftism, that's not true uh, organizing, that's just high school, school schoolyard bullshit. But anyways, now that we kind of got that out of the way, I just wanted to say that because it was on my mind, right? Um, Something that I wanted to spend today talking about, it's a few few things, but first and foremost, I kind of wanted to hop into this little conversation about chauvinism, excuse me, I'm going to open my cup here, it might make a loud noise. Um, uh, chauvinism which uh, we'll discuss here in a second Um, white chauvinism in particular to some extent Um, but I also kind of wanted to talk about just in general um, just some things I've noticed so you know what you don't need an intro we're going to get there so chauvinism right It's, uh, it's a word that gets used in a lot of theory, especially by folks like Lenin, who, uh, you know, in that context, Lenin is talking about the the Mensheviks uh, and the comrades who who were going to throw everything away that the uh, October Revolution had gone towards in order to um, participate in imperialism, right? because prior to this there was a genuine group of the socialist revolutionaries uh the uh communists and socialists in um russia at the time who were fighting and 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 arguing in favor of joining world war one joining up and and participating in world war one and folks like lenin really didn't quite understand how these revolutionaries who only recently had been talking about how the oppression and exploitation by the mother country had had led to the death and destruction of the lives of the peasants and and the poor and the proletariat and then you have a group who was saying the same stuff that says okay yeah i know that normally our country is like really exploitative and oppressive and is just going to throw people to the wolves for its own benefit but like this war is for our mother country. We have to defend our homeland. And for folks like Lenin, you know, he, he would write things like, who, who is our homeland, our motherland? This is, this is Russia, right? This is an imperialist nation that in this war of imperialism, as he called it, is just fighting for their seat at the table. Why is it that we want to fight For something like that Why is it that we want to throw our sons uh, You know specifically sons at that time To the wolves in in an imperialist war For something that will only benefit the rich wealthy elites As it always does And he spoke against the chauvinism of people who uh, Chauvinism can also be in some context Used as a a, a synonym for um, opportunism But it has a more specific definition, which I don't know off the top of my head. So I'm just going to Google it because I don't want to look like a dickhead. Um, But, you know, essentially, if you're if you're talking about chauvinism, if you're talking about. um, If you're talking about opportunism, sorry, I'm Googling here. Okay, chauvinism, exaggerated or aggressive patriotism, excessive or prejudiced supports for one's own cause, group, or sex. Uh, Related terms are jingoism. Uh, Jingoism is extreme patriotism, especially in the form of aggression or warlike foreign policy. So, you know, in the specific context in um, state and revolution, and I think left-wing communism and infantile disorder lenin also talks about these things the you know joining along with the imperialist war and he speaks out against karl kautsky as well who is a german social democrat who was calling for some of the same things and someone who lenin really really looked up to and so this this chauvinism this jingoism as it is called right that's kind of a gross word i don't really like it it sounds racist Uh, It definitely sounds racist So I'm going to stop saying it Um, But chauvinism, this extreme uh, patriotism uh, Especially having to do with foreign policy It it stems, especially in America, from racism Um, It stems from the same things that that capitalism stem from uh, Oppression and exploitation Uh, Either that weird word that I'm not going to say and chauvinism doesn't really matter. Um, kind of the, the reason why this is something that is harmful, why this is something that we need to stand against and why revolutionaries before us have stood against these things is because ultimately what this does is allows bourgeois ideology, allows racist, sexist, bigoted uh, ideas to bleed into the minds of those who otherwise are calling for things like socialist revolution, equality, um, you know, freeing the workers from their toil. And yet, in, in the example of folks like Karl Kautsky and the, the Russian SRs who were wanting to join in World War I, even those folks are susceptible to this blind um, cloaking and uh propagandizing that is done by our ruling classes in our societies and so something that i'm seeing a whole lot of and you know we spent the first 10 minutes of this episode talking about toxic leftist spaces um i see a lot of that in twitter i see a lot of that in facebook Um, someone who's speaking out against it um, specifically is anti-conquista speaking out against white chauvinism which i would like to take a moment to talk about here in a second but you know the reason why there are folks uh who need to who are speaking out against it and why we need to recognize what it is and speak out against it is because ultimately not only is it harmful to our movement you know we're not looking at this like oh geez we have a certain amount of points that our our movement has gained because of the folks that we have on our team, and now so-and-so fell to chauvinism, so we, we lose a couple points, right? No, ultimately by saying it harms our movement means that people die. It means that because we are not able to make the progression that we need, we are not able to set up institutions and systems to help people who are suffering today, right? Every time someone who calls themselves a revolutionary, someone who calls themselves a communist or a socialist or an anarchist falls to these things and falters away from uh, revolutionary ideas, falters away from this idea of seeing a need and meeting a need of the people, um, it, it, it harms our movement as a general you know progression, but it also harms... Uh, people who need the assistance that otherwise could be gained from these movements it harms the movement you know and its individuals involved who become discouraged who become misled who become um, uh, who who see their 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 points um, numbed uh, that's not the word i'm looking for uh, who see their 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 sharpness rounded off right and we see the real fire burn out in people every time that this chauvinism is able to fester um and it's really uh it's it's really a part of american culture especially and uh you know um, imperial cores such as canada britain and other places like that there's socialist and communist revolutions time and time again like the cpusa if you read black bolshevik um, and hear about the organizing that was being done in the 30s like this white chauvinism this opportunism was wholeheartedly at the forefront of what we would call one of the most revolutionary periods of time in american history and the fact that that is true should not be it should not be a defeating revelation. It should not be a defeating uh, acknowledgement. Because more than anything, we know what not to do, right? These are clear examples of things that have failed in the past. This idea of patriotism, this idea of you know warlike foreign policy that is supposed to unite the masses is yet another version of this bourgeois oppressive ideology that says that one group of people should be above another. Ultimately, if we call ourselves leftist, which is a term that I fucking hate but have to use time and time again, um, then what we have to understand is that is in um, opposition to basically everything that exists in America. You know, the fact that liberals are considered leftists per CNN, Fox News, and other media sources that report uh, in mainstream areas in america um kind of shows us that any ideology that espouses that we should help one another is in clear and stark opposition to the ruling class's ideology and the main ideology that dictates our society you know the individualism the selfishness the greed that plague this society are not individual choices made by people who have no influence on them. They are led to believe these things because of the environment, because of the social and political places that they grow up in, that they learn from, that they are existing in. The same thing is true even for those of us who call ourselves socialists, communists, revolutionaries. If we are experiencing life through a certain lens and we are not constantly critiquing calling into question and adjusting that lens with new information that usually we have to learn from other people, then we are not capable of recognizing when we go into these faltering and and failing ideologies, when we fall to this bourgeois uh, idealism. Unfortunately, another thing that is a part of Um, individualism and selfishness is an ego, right? I am a white person. I am a white person who has been told my life that I am smart. Uh, I have quite an ego, right? Um, I get very upset when people correct me. I get very upset when I'm trying to talk to someone about something and they don't listen. I get very upset when I am not the center point of, of attention. Um, And these are things that I myself need to work on, right? But these are things that I recognize in myself. And everyone has these things in them, more or less depending on what type of a person you are, what environment you grow up in, right? But because I grew up in a pretty privileged uh, environment, these things were never really challenged. And so they allowed, they were allowed to fester, they were allowed to continue, um, until I got to the point where I'm at now where uh, you know I feel in conversations quite often that I need to be leading the discussion, that I need to be in charge of the advice and evidence that is given on a certain discussion point. And that is not true because guess what? Just because I'm smart doesn't mean that there isn't a million or a billion or a trillion other people who will come along and be a million times smarter than I am. Something that I, as a white person, have needed to call into question in myself is that privilege. Is that whiteness that I was raised with, that I was able to enjoy the, uh, you know, the privileges of to this point in my life and will be able to continue to enjoy for the rest of my life. That is something that our black and brown uh, you know, uh, comrades will never be able to enjoy. That is something that our indigenous comrades will never be able to enjoy. And so because of that, there is oppression, there's exploitation, there is um, stigmatizing prejudices that I am not going to have to experience, that I am not going to have to suffer because of. um, And that I, in a lot of cases, if I'm not really, really critiquing myself and keeping an eye on myself, I might be um, purporting, I might be uh, encouraging, even, you know, unconsciously. And so that's why we need to have these discussions. uh, Because there are folks like me, um, who, you know, have gotten to this point, have these ideas, um, but feel that, you know, they don't want to talk about them, or it's an uncomfortable discussion to have. Um, And one thing that we have to realize as white folks in America is uh, this isn't our revolution. Um, This is not ours to lead. This is not ours to make decisions on. And worse than uncomfortable conversations is, uh, you know, the realization that you as a white person might be um, perpetuating white supremacy, that you might be perpetuating the oppression and exploitation that white skin has had over the world for hundreds of years and so as uncomfortable as it may be these are conversations that desperately need to be had especially in places like uh america where the dsa is as white as white can get the psl in some areas you know really does not do a good job of speaking out uh against white supremacy as explicitly as they they might want to and again so let's talk about the fact that these things are based on local chapters and obviously are not going to be the same chapter to chapter this is a generalizing statement that most folks might agree with in this country but that doesn't have to be the case. Um, and ultimately we are the people who are in charge of changing that those of us who are trying to organize those of us who are trying to help people are the ones who are directly in charge of deciding for ourselves whether or not we want to attack these things whether or not we want to question these things and whether or not we're going to do anything to fix them as a white person I could do very well to not ever bring up these questions in my mind to never point out these problems in society because I'm going to benefit from them. I am going to live a moderately safe and stable life in comparison to most black, brown, and indigenous people in this country simply because of my white skin. That is a fact that no one can deny and anyone who will deny is simply not paying attention to reality and that is on you and it is not my place to sit here and tell you what I think of you or what you need to do. Uh, shut the fuck up first of all and second of all get your shit straight um, but ultimately this is a reality that is true another reality is that women in this country are not treated equally to men even worse than this is transgender folks uh, uh, LGBTQ plus folks who have to experience you know, multiple levels of exploitation of suppression of oppression uh, simply because of You know, not only their skin tone and their sexual orientation, but maybe their gender identity, how they uh, physically appear, um, and all these, you know, characteristics that ultimately have nothing more to do with the person than you just simply knowing who that person is. Um, Someone being a black gay person does not have to be in opposition to a white straight person unless... Either one of those people feel that they ought to be. Um, These are decisions that we make, right? And we live in a society that pairs these groups of people against each other. Gay folks versus straight folks. Black folks versus white folks. Indigenous folks. Native folks versus non-native folks. And for good reason. Because the society that we live in has very clearly chosen one group out of each of those to dominate society, to dictate its laws and legislation, to enjoy elite and privileged lives within that society. And so there is good reason why black folks might hate white people. There's good reason why LGBTQ plus folks might hate straight cisgendered people. There's good reason why indigenous people might fucking hate non-native people. But this does not mean that each individual white person is some piece of shit. This does not mean that each individual black person hates white people. Like These are generalizing statements that no one in a clear mind can make. But if there were these groups of people who had these feelings towards one another, there's reason to understand why it is they might feel this way. But ultimately, we have to not attack, um, for example, whiteness for the sake of each and every person with white skin, we have to attack whiteness for how it exists in an oppressive and class society. Um, what whiteness is, is oppression, it is domination, it is uh, patriarchal and, and um, uh, male dominated society, it is uh, colonialism, it is imperialism, it is capitalism. It is all these things which we commonly can ascribe to an incoming colonizer. That is the best picture for what whiteness is because, you know, something that I'm reading right now is called the imperial discipline, and it discusses the founding of international relation boards in Britain and Australia and South Africa. And something that this clearly points out, and there's many more um, great Texts and, and YouTube videos and podcasts and, and people that, you know, you could listen to and learn these things from. But ultimately what whiteness is or, you know, stems from is during a time of colonialization where the white race was dominating non-white races. Uh, and, and I guess race even is the incorrect term here because race is a social construct. What whiteness is is in opposition to everything that isn't white. Um, whiteness had to be seen as superior. Whiteness had to be seen as a divine, as uh, uh, designated by God to rule. You know, whiteness is manifest destiny. Whiteness is, uh, like I said, colonialism, imperialism, and ultimately capitalism because the idea of whiteness stemmed from a need for an excuse as to why one social group or one group of people could dominate uh in a society everyone else Um, whiteness had to be created as it stands as a social construct as a superior uh, designation and as a uh, a group or an idea of a group who sits above society simply because you know as we said a lot of these folks used their white skin to say that they were chosen by god to uh you know rule over these places to massacre these people to dominate these lands Um, whiteness was used by all kinds of colonizers by all kinds of oppressors as an excuse as to why they were right in their actions and so what What we see whiteness as today is not simply having white skin, although this of course is a prerequisite, um, but it is using that white skin for your own superior uh, privileges, for your own elite domination of other groups of people. Basically what whiteness is, is having white skin and doing nothing to say, this white skin does not make me better than a single person, because ultimately whether you want to acknowledge or not acknowledge it or not we live in a white supremacist society that is america but that is also this world all right and so if we are not calling into question constantly our privilege our benefits our superior lives that we live because of our white skin we are allowing ourselves to accept this as okay um Angela Davis might not be any of our favorites right about now, but I think this is a good point to put in her very used quote that says, in a racist society, it is not enough to be non-racist, but you must be anti-racist. So talking about chauvinism, talking about whiteness, we can very very easily put it together and understand what white chauvinism is. It is this idea that if you look at the CPUSA during the 30s, that black folks had no place in leadership, um, that women had no place in leadership. Um, If you look at the revolutions of socialists after the Civil War in the United States, you had socialist organizations who fought for the uh, continuation of slavery or rather fought against the abolition of slavery because they felt that this was going to add 4 million, job, or 4 million job seekers to a pool of labor that already could not provide for its workers. And so therefore, they felt that it was more important that these white folks be provided for and that the slaves continue in their slavery uh, because otherwise it was going to be much harder for everyone. And so that's why you see throughout American history uh, this, this opposition between socialist groups and, and slaves because in a lot of cases, slave labor was used uh, as, as scab labor. But, the, you know, the folks were slaves. They had You can't pin something like that on a, a group of enslaved people. That's not how these things work. Um, and so in a time where, you know, I should say, in a place like America, it, it, it is shown time and time again that even those who uh, espouse the quote-unquote right ideas who are revolutionary in their own right still hold on to this uh, racial supremacism, still hold on to their whiteness in, in a lot of ways. And so white chauvinism is this idea that we as white people have any fucking clue what we're talking about. Right, I have a podcast where I come on and sh- share my ideas, I discuss topics that I think are important, and ultimately I just kind of come on here and rant. right? But something that I would like to make clear is that in opposition to black and brown folks who are doing the same thing, in opposition to indigenous groups who are fighting for, for sovereignty, for land back, for decolonization, I am not the voice that anyone should be listening to. Uh, I like to have guests on where I can amplify voices, where I can echo sentiments, and I like to spread some of the ideas that we as white folks might not hear because we choose not to listen to them. But ultimately I'm still a white man. Ultimately I am not the uh, leader that any revolution like this should be searching for. And ultimately, I'm not the, the voice of any re- revolution that is building or in existence. Uh, I exist to point to the need for something like that. But, you know, I just want to take this moment to say that, you know, as a white man, it's very important that I humble myself, that I put myself in my place, because otherwise there are many folks, Vouch being one of those ones that has gotten a lot of flack lately, deservedly. Um, But folks like him really show, you know, to a lot of new leftists, a lot of leftists online, precisely what has always been wrong with this country and and, and this world, which is this idea that oppression of any kind, um, suppression of any kind, domination of any kind is acceptable. Ultimately, what we as communists what we as revolutionaries, what we as anarchists, as socialists should be fighting for is a truly equal and free society where the ideas that we are espousing are exclusively to create said society not a picture of a better version of the society that exists today fighting for a socialist America in a still imperialist world does absolutely fucking nothing. And so, what I wanted to say here is that white chauvinism explicitly needs to be fought against in this country because it has, yet again, popped into the forefront. You have folks like Bernie Sanders who dominated leftism, and I use that word specifically, up until only about a year ago. Uh, You have folks who you know, would rather sit back and let organizations like the DSA fail time and time again, like the IMT fail time and time again, simply trying to spread, you know, awareness without even looking around and saying, hey, why do all of us look the fucking same? Unfortunately, leftism and communism and anarchism and revolutionary ideas have been tamped down with uh, white supremacy, uh, male domination and patriarchy, and just all forms of oppression that are incredibly, uh, endemic and in the core of what it is to be American, because ultimately we must remember that America, the country that we call, uh, uh, the place that we live in, or that I live in, at least, um... Is a settler colonial project so anything stemming from something such as that is going to purport oppression it's going to uh, want to perpetuate this idea of dominion of rule of the few over the many and what we as revolutionaries know is that this rule of oppression of exploitation takes many forms, takes many faces, and takes many figures, but ultimately looks the same to its very, very core. And that is, again, it accepts and perpetuates the necessity for domination of one group over the others. We have to fight against that. Because what we as revolutionaries should be fighting for is a revolutionary society that says, no, we are all people. We are all human beings. We all know what our needs are. We have to eat, we have to drink, we have to have a home, we have to have clothes on our back. We have to go to work in order to build the society we live in, right? We have to be educated. We have to have every part of the society that we live in uh, in order to participate in that society. But if we know this then we also know that that is not a reality that exists for the majority of people alive on this earth today and if anything that we are demanding anything that we are supporting anything that we are advocating for does not directly and explicitly call that into question say that the inequality and unfairness that exists across the globe needs to be expressly fought against first then whatever the rest of that is doesn't really matter because ultimately we can't build socialism in America, the country that was built on settler colonialism, until we directly deal with what that settler colonialism has created today. A rule of white supremacy, a rule of patriarchy, a rule of suppression and exploitation the last thing i really wanted to talk about before we wrap it up is just the idea that like you know there's a lot to be said about what theory is right there's a lot to be said about the history of revolutions of national liberation movements of of uh you know rebellions and and uprisings and what lessons are to be learned from them, what ideas can be taken from them, and what things need to be left behind as clear and, and concise failures that it doesn't matter just because we want to try it again and we think we got it this time, that it's not going to work. There's a lot to be said about all of these things, but ultimately what I want to finish up this episode talking about is the idea that we will never know what will or will not work in this country to help people and what will or will not help work in this world to help people until we start organizing and building and growing our movement in a way that is explicitly clear that our goal is nothing other than fixing the problems facing the world a revolutionary is someone who sees the problems facing our planet the environmental the economic the political the social problems and issues that stem from capitalist depression that stem from class structure that stem from domination or rule of the few over the many and saying our only course our only way to fix these problems is to first address the core which is that domination, that rule of the few over the many. And that idea that any one of us, whether it's a group like the DSA, the PSL, the IMT, the CPUSA, whatever, has any one right line that then we can all just get behind that group and we're just gonna march our way to freedom. Our organizations, our mission, our structure, our goal should all be to take the, uh, the lessons from history, to take the failures and successes of revolutions past, and to implement them in the places where we can in ways that will lead us towards solutions. And recognizing that it's not one group, that it's not one people, that it's not one country That is going to bring us to what we are looking for. It is all of us working together in our own places, in our own time, in the own ways that we can, all towards the same goal with the same idea in mind. We have failed before. Our only way for success is to try again and not fail this time I know that's quite an ask and I know that it's almost an impossible feat but it's not like we don't have thousands of examples of what not to do to learn from it's not like we have hundreds of thousands of organizations all over the world right now fighting to try to figure these things out and it's not like we have millions of people even in places like America, who recognize these things and are trying to build and grow and organize and oppose these things and fight these things and fight for solutions. But ultimately, as I said, we have to have it in our mind that first and foremost, It's not going to be one thing, one group, one people, one country that's going to bring us to our final destination. Second of all, we have to recognize that there are things that have failed before. And there are groups who are trying to do those things again. And so ultimately... If we are not looking at history, if we are not looking at the failures of the groups before us, then we are refusing to learn from these things. We are refusing to accept that we might be wrong because we would rather be chauvinistic. We would rather be individualistic and selfish and push forward our own ideas that aren't even usually our own. And expect that because we are the ones doing it, that something different will happen this time. We have lessons to be learned. Let us learn them. And the final thing that we can do is recognize that it will take a coalition, a grouping, a solidarity between all of us working towards this that will succeed and nothing else. It can only be the people united that will lead towards a truly free world. Anything else is just a different form of oppression. If you're still listening to this, thank you very much. I have been Josh, and this is In Defense of Liberation. If this was your first time listening, I appreciate you very much. Please go ahead and check out all my other stuff. Um, you can find me on my website at forliberation with no caps or spaces. Wix wixsite.com forward slash website, where you can find my blog, uh, which is this in written form in some extent. You can also find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at in defense of liberation. And you can also reach out to me for whatever, you know, whatever you want to reach out to me for at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show and hopefully anything that I said uh, meant a goddamn thing. Uh, until next time, folks, we'll see you. Everybody be stay, stay safe, uh, stay sane, um, and stay together as best as we can. Uh, love and solidarity to y'all. Catch you next time.